by Calabria, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hookstra, product evangelist for Calabrio, and my guest today is Kunal Rahalkar. He is the founder and CEO of Data Games, which is a pretty sweet little platform that uh, I was actually able to uh, to take a look at. So, uh, Kunal, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for kind introduction. That was awesome. <laughs> That's. That's great. And so let's start a little bit. Uh, I know that you, you you mentioned this already, but let's talk about how you and I met. We were actually at one of our um, industry uh, trade shows here, and uh, I happened by your booth uh, for data games, and you came over and talked to us, and you and I had a little bit of a disagreement about what to call a particular fruit. Uh, tell me, tell me, <laughs> you, tell me in your words how we met there. Oh man, that was funny, and um, it was awesome to bump into you. But the funniest part was um, cantaloupe. As I learned, it was called rock. It's called rock melon in Australia, and I kept calling it rock melon. And the people who were, so, I mean, the booth where we met, there was a food stall next to it, and the people wouldn't serve me. And I was like, "What's this?" I was like, "Where is rock melon?" They said, "What's that, sir?" I said, "Rock melon." And then he said, "Well, we call it cantaloupe here." <laughs> it was a good icebreaker. The rock melon or a cantaloupe? And I have never, I've never heard it called rock melon before. And as I continue to learn more about the globe, it's great. And I also love how you had to actually physically pause for a second before you said cantaloupe in your brain. You had to remember exactly what to call it. That's great. I have it open here. I googled it. <laughs> yes. So we, we definitely uh, we, let's just say uh, Kunal and I bonded over melon. Right. That's that's we how we, we we got to know each other a little bit. Uh, so, you know, I know that uh, for our audience here, we we definitely, we're going to have a really strong conversation about uh, employee engagement, right? It's it's a big topic these days about how we, we get our employees really uh, turned on to what we're trying to do and, and keeping them focused on the goal. Um, so we're going to cover that. Uh, don't worry. But I'm interested in a little bit of the history of data games and how kind of you, you came to, uh, you know, birth this idea of employee engagement that focuses a lot on the performance management side of things. How did that start? Absolutely. So uh, here in Australia, Dave, I used to work for um, consulting companies like Accenture and Deloitte and Hewlett Packard. And the work I was doing was more into data analytics, right? So it was uh, it was all about, uh, you know, gathering information, coming up with really cool insights and stuff like that. And they, that really gave me a kick, right? And when um, employee engagement and contact center type of topics started coming in, I was doing, I was working on one of the assignments, which was around contact centers. And I thought, man, contact centers have so much data if I could sort of pull all of this information together and come up with some real cool insights, wouldn't that be great and find out what's how employees are engaging and how they're not engaging. If they're not engaging, what can we do about it rather than just insights? Can we take the next next step and, you know, take an action? And that's where gamification got introduced in the entire journey. And yeah, I literally quit my job, uh, went back to my garage, sat this, wrote the first version of the product. And yeah, four and a half years forward, we've done 60 plus implementations and got about 20,000 or more users using our platform. So let's do this to repose that. Yeah, that's really cool. And I have to say, and you know, obviously we we have to be careful not to turn this into a commercial for data oh, games. Sure. But I was uh, I was I was really impressed, and I, I'll tell the listener, you know, the uh, 
the, the screens that are available are very appealing to a context center implementation, right? There's, there's lots of great graphics and the challenges and things that you can do between teams and individuals, um, you know, and, and that's really where this whole conversation kind of wants to go is how in an organization can keep those employees engaged, right? How do they, how do they do that? And I know like having a platform available to kind of engage them is important, but maybe what are some of the other things that you might've seen uh, in your, in your journey uh, with data games that contact centers should be doing to kind of keep those employees at an engagement level? Yeah, and absolutely, Dave. Before we go into how, I would rather talk about why to begin with, right? So if we look at uh, why we want to uh, engage employees. Now, uh, as you know, right, everybody's gone on to omni-channel. Uh, you know, customers have many choices. If they want to contact a brand, I can get onto a mobile app or I can, you know, jump on a chat, uh, send an email. Uh, so gone the days of there's just one way, traditional voice calls. So number of interactions that brands have to handle have gone up and up and up, right? And when me as a consumer make a phone call to contact Sena, I've already probably gone through majority of the digital, digital channels. So for example, you and I go to a restaurant and we share a great meal. And let's say you pick up the tab and I have to pay you back. And I try and add you as a payee uh, in NetBank uh, application that I'm using or internet banking application that I'm using. And if I can add you as a payee, I'm going to be frustrated. And when I've gone through all these digital channels, when I'm making a phone call to the contact center, I'm already a little pissed, right? I'm already uh, gone through that level of dissatisfaction through digital channels. And that's where interaction becomes really complicated. And uh, when there was a survey done by Gartner, 80% of these interactions, which are complex, are handled by agents, not by IVR, not by chatbot, or not by any other means, right? So these agents are super important. And in US, 40% of consumers don't want to deal with digital channels still. They still want to go and talk to an agent, right? So engaging them is super important. And if I'm a CX leader, if I'm not really, really focusing on that, uh, you know, more than likely there is a chance that my transformation project would fail. Uh, if I'm not considering employees as a part of the entire journey, my transformation program would fail. For example, one of the customers we worked with, they introduced chatbot. Uh, and, and we're expecting great return on investment. It was a great implementation as well. Uh, but after the implementation, they soon realized that Chatbot was able to not integrate with all the different systems and was able to only cover portion of the interactions. So the agents still had to be there to cover for the questions which were coming out of Chatbot. So why it's important is because if we engage these people uh, who are handling all these important interactions, they're going to make money for your brand. They're going to deliver great customer experience, right? Um, and, and now everybody's working from home. So engagement is super important because now we can't see them. That's why I think it's very important that CX leaders look at employee engagement very, very seriously. Right. And it's funny how no matter how hard we've all tried to find the secret sauce of what makes an agent good at their job, we still kind of, there's still a weird little <laughs> magic that, that, that runs along with it. But I know that's, that's what you guys try to do, right? Like your goal is to kind of start out locating what the best agent is and then potentially trying to replicate that. Is that kind of the approach? Absolutely. And, and, and you're 100% right. It's not easy. It's hard, right? Because it's about humans. It's about engagement. It's about motivation, right? Approach that we have taken is very data heavy, right? So we want to get into data and really understand it. Um, so, uh, I mean, 
if you if you look at uh, any uh, contact center, right? Agents end up using about eight to 10 systems to answer customer query. There is knowledge management, there is CRM, there is context and telephony system, there is collaborate, you guys, WFM, there's so many systems, right? So to understand uh, how agents are behaving and performing across all those systems uh, without understanding that sort of adding rewards and recognition program or even gamification to it uh, can be a challenging area. So we really first step for us is data science and really getting into it and really understanding what does data tell us and then obviously relying on humans right to add to that entire data and the ai layer um, we can't generate ai at this stage unfortunately without really really getting good inputs from humans and we're seeing that now right people are checking oh is this the right recommendation if you're on amazon and things like that so so that's why it's a little complex uh, but i'm sure we're getting there it, we're trying, right? Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing. And you know, one of the one of the recurring themes uh, to you know the guests on the podcast is I hear a lot from people that yes, technology is is definitely a part of the answer, but the problem that we see is a lot of people are too reliant on the technology that that's thrown at them would you agree 100 percent. and and i guess you guys do I, I what i like about collaborator is you guys get that right because it's workforce management it's about people right so you can throw as much right. technology as you like but if people are not you know taking it on it doesn't really matter so you said something while we were talking uh and i'm i, I want to dig a little bit more into this you mentioned something about uh the integrations that are such a big part of this, right? And I know that if I'm a CTO, I'm struggling mm -hmm. like crazy to get my arms wrapped around this. And I know that's a big thing about what uh, data games approach is it's less about what everybody sees in front of the screen, but more about that layer of integration to capture that data. Have you guys seen that to be a, a, a pretty strong challenge that you've had to overcome? Oh, yeah, big challenge. And, and it's the challenge that every brand is trying to solve, really. That's what I've seen out in the market. I mean, uh, it started with, um, you know, when when it started, it started in another company. There's the largest telecommunications company here called Telstra, where I used to work. And we made a lot of mistakes. Uh, but it was good that we made mistakes on their money, not on our money. Right. <laughs> uh, but what we learned is um, connecting data and creating interactions which talk to each other and then gamifying them is super powerful right uh, because um, you know all these systems are interconnected and you guys know this right because you guys are masters of pulling data out of contact centers and telling us how to plan workforces and things like that but all that information is also uh, integrated with crm application right so you're taking case notes again associated with the phone conversation or chat conversation all this information is associated with knowledge management system particular article needs to be looked at based on the type of quality so so Though these are disparate systems, but they're so interconnected. And it, if we interweave them, we can actually put together what I call as a human story, right? How my journey has gone through this entire application um, galore, so to speak, in order for me to deliver a customer experience, right? And once we stitch all of that together, uh, that's where the magic happens. And a lot of brands are trying to solve this problem. Uh, but also there is... I mean, one of the things to be careful about here is not to turn it into a business intelligence system because there are a lot of BI projects which kind of do this kind of stuff, but their premise is very different. BI systems are telling you what's happening in your contact center 
at a, at a high level, as we say, but it doesn't go down at a behavior level. And where we sort of play part or where we are interested in as, as a business is going down at a behavior level and saying, hey, this is my best employee, right? And the reason uh, Dave is the best employee is because he's help, he helps his colleagues, you know, he helps customers really well. He knows how to use the systems, you know, he's very knowledgeable. All those different attributes and traits is what makes you uh, the best employee. So we are really interested in the behavior aspects of it. So I'm going to put you on the spot here and mm-hmm. see, maybe maybe answer a, a, a tough question here. What are those data points that you are able to see that go beyond kind of the, the typical, right? We all know the average handle times and we all know the QA scores, but what are, what are some of the things that you might be able to unearth that might not commonly be seen in a, in a contact center, quote unquote, BI platform? Oh, great, great question. Building rapport with customers. <laughs> Sounds basic, right? Like you and I are talking right now and, and obviously we got history and, uh, and a banter from the past. So it makes it easier for us to have an interaction, right? But imagine you're talking to a stranger, you've never spoken to before and as a customer, right? Uh, and they're probably already pissed or angry or they might, might just want to get to the information quickly or whatever that interaction level might be. But if you can build a rapport with the customer, uh, we've seen that the best agents are the agents that build rapport with the customer. And they might end up not solving problems at time, but times, but still, if they build a good rapport with the customer, the customers are not likely to give you such a bad <laughs> net promoter score or bad review. Uh, basic, right? But I'll tell you, I'll give you a funny story. I actually, unfortunate and funny story, I actually got mugged once, okay, and somebody stole my iPhone. And I was like, oh man, and we were in a public event and I somehow found my wife and I said, oh, I got to call contact center of Apple. I can't remember if I had my, find my iPhone turned on so I can try uh, who stole it, right? So I went to my wife. She, I took her phone. I called the contact center uh, at Apple. And uh, the person who answered it, he said, oh, sorry, you didn't have uh, find my iPhone turned on. But tell you what, man, I'm going to be with you and we're going to find that guy. You know, just because he said that, right. I mean, I never found my iPhone. Okay. But just <laughs> because he said that, I was so happy. Like somebody was with me in the journey, right? Just a, bit, a little bit of a rapper, a little bit of banter. That that's it's such a great answer, and I totally agree with you. It's the you know you can't always find that moment. Uh, you know, I, I was a call center agent back in the late nineties. Mm. You can't always you know. There, I think maybe we should patent the idea that and uh, the IVR when it comes through, it's like press one if you call it rock melon, press two if you call it cantaloupe. And then we're immediately building rapport with our customers. Uh, but uh, I can't tell you how many times. You know, you could turn a negative or even neutral situation into a positive just mm. by finding that moment. And so, how how does the platform determine rapport? How 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 do we how do we get to that number? How do we how do we sub, uh, create an objective measurement of rapport? Uh, oh, great great point, right? And um, I mean, again, rapport is different for voice. It's different for chat. It's different mm-hmm. for emails, right? All those things are different. And the best part is there's so much data that contact centers have already invested in, right? So you can get speech analytics data, pull that in, right? You can get data coming in from uh, good old quality scores, right? That can all uh, sort of come in. Uh, but but how do you tie that entire story together is very important. So if I get a conversation between you and I, um, yeah, sure. We uh, built a uh, good banter between you and I, but how did that 
manifest into customer leaving me a good feedback, right? Did I actually get a good first call resolution? Did I take good quality notes in CRM application, right? So, so a good banter, a good repo is, is a combination of all those different elements and different things. Um, so what we try and do is, again, interconnect all those missing pieces in a platform and say, hey, Dave delivered the best customer experience and let's work backwards. The reason he did that is behavior A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And that could be as simple as finding out, um, look, I don't have any information. Let me get back to you. But rather than approaching a team leader and sounding a little lost, uh, they went onto a knowledge management system and looked for information or promised a call back to customer and actually did deliver the service that he promised, right? So so it's all about using those systems, uh, building rapport with customers, creating interconnected story, and then you can really form a good picture. Um, uh, you know, and there are some other behaviors as well. Taking good quality notes, a bit of stewardship, right? After right. I finish my conversation, if I take good quality notes, the next person is coming in. And if customers to call again, they at least know what the previous conversation was. So all these little things is what mm-hmm. excite us and interest us. Do you find that when you work with customers... Um, you know, whether you're in a, cons- a consulting approach or a straight up customer, uh, customer sales approach, do you find yourselves having to work extra hard to get them to realize how much data they actually are sitting on? Because I know that's, a, that's, that's something that Calabrio is working very hard to make <laughs> sure that we bring to the table is you're sitting on this mountain, yep. this gold mine of data and, and it's actually not all that difficult to tap into it. But once Absolutely. once you start to tap into it, you get that. Do you find that you have to spend a lot of time convincing them? Some yes, some no. Okay, so this is the, and this is where uh, I have a bit of a, not a problem, but a bit of a comment about BI industry in general, right? So uh, in BI, like a lot of context center uh, directors or managers that we work with um, do tend to look for more information. Many of them are curious. They want to know. And if you speak to those audiences, it's a lot easier to tell them, well, you got all this data and let's tap into it. But there, there is also a tendency in the industry saying, oh, well, we got the BI, right? It gives me all the data I need. And right. to tell them that this is not just BI or, and that's where our working day goes in saying, hey, look, sure, sure. If you have BI, that's great. If you don't have BI, use this as a BI. Uh, but if you do have BI, we are not just about BI. We can actually take the data from your BI. That means you have done the hard work and let us bring it in. And you're so right, right? There's so much data and, 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 you know, you guys are trying to do the same as in convince customers. We are, we are in a, (laughs) we are in the same boat. I've been on the, uh, the other side of the, the contact center space for a, a while now, but I have spent my time in, in a contact center, you know, oh, building SQL queries, trying <laughs> to mine any kind of data we possibly can. And um, I, I, I often say to people, if I'd had access to the data that, that is available now, back in the day, I would be like probably running a company from, from the ground up because, you know, it was, it was always just the best we could do was handle time. 
I mean, that was, you know, it's like you could, you could focus on handle time and maybe some hold time, but now we have, we have speech analytics. We have metadata that, that gives us so much great information. And we also, and this is a key component to this day and age, we have access to kind of cloud computing that can do all of this analysis in moments where used to take rooms full of servers to get through 10% of things. Now we can do it all in, in, in moments with thanks to what we have access to. Now, following along that, this is another interesting thing that you said that really piqued my interest. You said that there's there's an approach that you guys take called performance testing versus yeah. performance management. Well, I think I know what you mean by that, but I want you to kind of explain <laughs> the approach here because I, I like where it's going. Yeah, thank you. So, so Dave, I mean, um, that's where, um, you know, we need to cast our mind towards what's really important, right? Um, uh, you know, obviously data crunching and bringing it together and all that technical stuff is important, right? But what does it mean for business? If I'm, okay, here's the deal, right? 38% of contacts in agents are actively disengaged and 28% say they're neutral, right? Whom I wouldn't call engaged, right? Then, right. then you as a CX leader have tough targets to deliver good net promoter scores, good CSAT scores, keep your costs down as in business efficiency. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, improve your sales and all those different uh, types of things, right? Now, Imagine before you embark on a program uh, where you're going to make some technology changes or choose a vendor or outsource it to a different business provider or whatever that might be, uh, wouldn't you like to know how my program is going to work? Right. And that's the curiosity <laughs> that we had. Right. Um, and, and, and that's why we say every time you apply testing in a context where uh, I have a software launch. Right. I've seen ton of companies do a lot of testing before software gets launched. Sure. But how about the human side of it? Right. So what we want to measure is, OK, if I'm a contact center, how many of my staff are engaged? How am I going to perform? If I was to add new process next year, what is it? What's my net promoter score going to be? What's my average handle time is going to be if I continue to do what I do? And the best part is data gives us all the insights from the past and we can just add permutations, combinations to it and try and see uh, if I get the engagement up by 10%, what is the result I'm going to get as a context center? Am I going to hit my customer experience targets? And if I'm not, what can I do, right? So we actually test your current system, uh, not by doing any extra magic, but just literally bringing all the data together and applying data science and AI to it to figure out how you're going to perform. And that's what we call it as testing. And we put test scenarios and test cases. And our test scenario test case is simple. Like, would I hit my net promoter score, right? If I want to go from, uh, you know, average handle time of three minutes down to a minute, what do I need to do, right? What would that be as an impact on the context? And all those calculations around it. Right. So it's th this is where we talk about going beyond BI, right? Correct. This is absolutely this is, this is where BI is just going to give you boom, static information and it's just going to sit there and you and it's up to you to determine where you want to move the pieces around and, and what you're trying to do. But the difference in kind of performance testing is being <laughs> able to extrapolate the information based on changing variables throughout. Uh, at least I hope that's me explaining it. Uh, uh, yeah, no, 100%. And and we add another variable to it, right? Like we actually think, and honestly, you know this better than I would, Dave, but we also think that a lot of calls uh, or a lot of chats or a lot of emails, agents shouldn't even be handling in today's day and age, yeah. right? There are those 
IVR systems, there are chatbots, there's RPA, there's so much, right? Uh, so we also try and measure uh, how many interactions should actually land on context in any current setup. Right, and uh, we do end-to-end uh, insights on your IVRs, your uh, other customer experience tools, which are automated, and tell you that hey, by the way, if you optimize this, you're going to have five percent reduction in you know volume that is coming to Context Center. I can say with a lot of conviction that probably the most underserved approach in contact centers today is looking at volume reduction. Mm. We, we look very heavily at handle time reduction. We, we look at staff efficiency. We look at analyzing the, the customer experience left and right. But I don't think a lot of contact centers are really sitting down and saying, okay, how can we, you know, everybody's understaffed right now, right? Yep. If you're listening to this episode in the future, it's, it's February of 2022 and the great resignation is just in full swing right now. Mm. And everybody is understaffed and understaffed. And the questions I keep getting is, Dave, how can I keep people? Or Dave, how can I reduce my handle time? Or, you know, questions that are all focused on the old way of looking. And nobody ever asks, Dave, how do I reduce the number of interactions that come in because if I can reduce the number of interactions, I might actually be appropriately staffed. And it is one of the most underserved areas that people are focusing on. And it's cool that you guys have the ability to kind of push that measure a little bit to say, yeah, we can actually give you an idea of what it would look like if you were able to do that. That's really cool. I like that a lot. Absolutely. And 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 Dave, question I have is, uh, you know, uh, what is Collaborate doing in this uh, area? Because, you know, I also, you know, we talk about this, but, you know, you guys are obviously pioneers in the industry and you guys are doing a lot of cool stuff there. Yeah. So the the way that one of the best ways that we can focus on it is through the analytics platform mm. that Calabrio has being able to take a hundred percent of those interactions, run them through an analytics engine and be able to help surface the insights that allow us to reduce volume. I, I'll give you a good example. Uh, I worked with a customer a few years ago that um, their password reset function on their website wasn't working correctly. And the agents knew this. The agents were telling people, we keep getting calls about this. And so it surfaced up to, uh, you know, the IT uh, group and the IT group, uh, as they sometimes will do. I love you, IT people, but you do, <laughs> so do this sometimes. Uh, they said, nope, everything works fine. We're not able to replicate the problem. And, you know, so it got kicked back. Well, they used the analytics platform to determine just how many additional phone calls they were getting on a daily basis. And it turned out that the company was spending like an extra $25,000, $30,000 a day wow. in, in time answering this. And all they had to do was take that, that number and put it in front of the CTO. And it got fixed in like a day. It was weird how that happened, right? Once you can quantify the, the, the way that these processes are handled, you can do that. So using analytics is a huge part of volume reduction because what used to take us months to figure out and who is calling and why they're calling and surveys and post-call information and talking, we can now figure these, this out in a matter of hours. We can mm. say we received... 25% more calls yesterday that mentioned the word password reset. Something is wrong. Let's go fix it. And then the next day, we received 2,000 fewer calls. That is 
huge cost and time savings right there. And so it's the same idea that you guys are approaching, right? It's yours is a little more of a what if approach and ours is a little bit more of a what did happen approach, yeah. but we're able to, to surface those insights a lot more quickly. And how easy is that, right? Like, because now integration, storing data, as you said, is pretty, pretty, I wouldn't say it's cakewalk, but I would say it's not as hard as it, as it used to be, right? And, and you know, if we uh, get, the, and that's what, that's why we call it uh, production verification test, right? Like this is out in production and this is what's happening and your traditional IT is not going to test that. They, you know, they, they, right. they will look at system uptimes and availability and things like that, right? And that's where there is a gap, right? Which is what we want to really address as a business. And it's it's gotten a lot easier, right? Yeah. And, and and at the same time, it's gotten harder, right? Because yeah. <laughs> you know what 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 used to be a fairly simple transcription engine, as the possibilities increase, so do the number of uh, extraneous requests, right? Uh, you used to be able to do uh, speech analytics on a on an American English accent very easily. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, now all of a sudden there's different dialects, there's different things and uh, companies keep springing up that do a better yeah, job. People who of, call cantaloupe, rock, rock melon, those kinds of people. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just confusing the transcription engine left and right. The way that, uh, that, that, that what, what people call, uh, you know, green melons these days, <laughs> but uh, the, 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 but that's exactly what it is. Right. It's gotten easier. And again, I'll point to the cloud computing side of things. We can now transcribe so much more than we used to be able to do and so much faster thanks to the technologies that have been put in place. And it's actually, you know, it has benefited a huge number of organizations. And 10 years ago, it was, if you want workforce management, it's, you know, you, you probably should get it. And then it became like, okay, you need workforce management. Speech analytics is, is very rapidly falling mm. into that category. If you are not analyzing your interactions that are coming through, you are not getting the, the, the benefit of your contact center that you need. And then what we love about it is that exactly what you and I have been talking about, that goldmine of data now becomes the richest, most fertile ground for information that is now benefiting the whole organization as opposed to just the contact center. Right. I used to be yeah. able to run a report and go to my boss and say, hey, we saw a 60% increase in handle time yesterday in this particular skill. Let's figure out why. Mm. Now, today, we can take our information to the marketing department and say, hey, everybody who speaks Spanish yesterday received a poor experience because we are not serving that community appropriately. So those are the new, that's the new frontier of context. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And Dave, that's where I love your um, analytics APIs, right? The collaborators analytics APIs, wherever we implement. And if you have collaborates, a sigh of release. We go like, okay, yeah, we know what we're integrating with. It's pretty easy, you know? So yeah, absolutely. hundred percent agree. Dave, what I also want to approach um, is we talked about data a lot, right? But, uh, you know, I, I see another gap out in the market, right? Like you can, we can talk about data and we can talk about insights. And many a times we can deliver those insights uh, to management, right? And say, hey, look, this is a gap and this is an area that you need to fix, right? But uh, often, uh, you know, we don't come back with mechanisms to fix it, right? Mm -hmm. And, and and you know, um, we... Okay, so here's the deal, right? We are, we do do gamification, though we are not a gamification company, but we right. actually think gamification... Okay, here's the deal. We don't believe gamification is a silver bullet, okay? It gets applied 
and used and talked about in a very different manner as if it's going to solve world's problems it doesn't and i'll talk about this because we have very sophisticated gamification platform in our tool but what it does is if you have good data insights it's a great actions mechanism right it's a really mm-hmm. really cool way of engaging staff and motivating them so uh, what if i found all those issues in your customer experience right just taking that example that uh, i gave or you gave right like we found out that hey we're not serving the spanish speakers well right so what do i do now right okay then uh, you know some of the things you can't solve right like for example if you don't have spanish speakers in your context and i mean there's not much you can do about it right but let's assume that you do have spanish speakers it's unfortunate they are not trained properly or they don't have right knowledge right or they don't know how to sy- use the systems well right and once you understand that data i think gamification can be a very effective science to point people to the right direction motivate them and continue to use those systems and continue to deliver but it does require our consistency does require time and space but if you do that and if you provide that as a brand i think with gamification i mean kind of return on investments i've seen are amazing yeah to use to use a an old school cliche gamification mm-hmm. is just another quiver in the uh, another arrow in the quiver right that totally is, yeah it, 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 there there's no magic bullet that's going to solve every single solution honestly this is the this is the, a call to all the listeners out there. It's about the people that you have executing the vision and their dedication to continual performance management or continual employee engagement or continual CX, right? It's it's it, you know uh, I think there's a phrase you used uh, your your secret ninja I think is what you said <laughs> yes uh, absolutely it, you know um, a huge part of any initiative whether we're talking I mean, we could be talking outside the context of this episode the, the execution plan that comes forth has to really be taken from a level of mm-hmm. approach outside of the technology. What are you going to do about it, right? I can I can throw millions of dollars at technology that will display a number in front of me, but it still requires a an execution of that plan. And uh, now, secret ninja was the phrase you used, so I'm going to let you talk about that for a minute. You you clearly have a, a, a something behind that. Oh yeah, so secret ninja is just one of the things that our product management and product marketing team came up with right so it was a very it's a very simple concept well every contact center has a secret ninja so uh, and it's not a and it's a it's a funny thing when i say secret ninja it's not your traditional best performer in the contact center i just want to really call it out because traditionally the way you would give somebody a best performer award is somebody who keeps who meets their kpis traditionally right, right. but a secret ninja is on a particular interaction you might be ninja dave like for example you may love helping people to set up their iPhones right and you're patient enough you're good enough and you can cover them guide them right and you know uh, finish the interaction in 4 minutes and solve all their problems i might be really good at everything else but when the interaction is of that type guess what i'm impatient i don't want to do that right. i'd rather help you pay your bill go in a sales force or whatever crm i have and quickly get the transaction get it over with right but then identifying how many interactions of iphone type you getting okay how many interaction billing type you getting and focusing on what we call as 80% of important interactions right bringing them in mm-hmm. and finding at each and every interaction 
who's the best agent that's your secret ninja and find that ninja and then you know uh, like in kung fu panda i love kung fu panda the master shifu and that ninja becomes master shifu and whatever he does or she does we want everybody else to do right so that's right. the it's, that's the sense i mean it's, it's at the very core it's putting people in in a place to succeed right Absolutely. it's don't set them up to fail set them up to succeed and you know we we all have our strengths and weaknesses and honestly that is a huge challenge in a contact center is finding out where people are set up to succeed and getting those getting them those interactions that do allow them to do that and i mean and just going further with the analogy right it doesn't do you any good to recognize that somebody is good at helping someone set up their iPhone if you can't get those interactions to them in the first place. So it goes beyond just identifying there. It takes process. It takes time. It takes testing to get to that, that particular piece. And I think that's kind of the point you are ultimately trying to make is that this is one, one, uh, one slice of the equation. Yeah, but but important consideration is not that we want to direct all the iPhone interactions now to you, Dave, otherwise you'll go crazy, right? The idea right. is, what is it that you do, Dave? And how can we teach Kunal to do exact same things that Dave does? So instead of having one Dave, now we got two Daves. So the idea is clone you, uh, create a template of behaviors on the interactions that you're really smashing and doing well, and take that template to the people who are not performing well and say, hey, do this. And if you do that, we'll give you points, badges, rewards. So now we're cloning you. So we got the we got many ninjas now, army of ninjas. I, my, my very first call center job was activating pagers, right? <laughs> so so that, was, that was my first job. That's and going a while back. It was a while back. Thank you for noticing. I appreciate it. Uh, but uh, when, when it is, so the, the the setup in this contact center was when you got hired, you were in activations for let's call it six weeks before you got trained on the next level of customer service. And the goal was that you became really good at this one thing that kind of built a foundation for the next level, right? Because there was a lot more detail and information in the, on the customer service side than there was just in activations. And um, your point that you made about going insane because you keep getting the same call over and over. I had flashbacks for the late nineties of doing nothing but activating pagers for eight and a half hours a day. My, for my first six weeks. And, uh, it, you're right. It, I got very good at it, but, and I, and, but honestly, to this day, I don't think I'd ever want to go back and activate another pager mm. because I got so burned out on yeah. the, on the process. So I love that point about cloning the agent, right? It's, it's how do we, how do we identify, create a plan to, to get other people to that level so that we can replicate that success across it. So I think that's great. All right. So Kunal, I have one more thing I want to uh, give you because honestly, this has just absolutely flown by and I feel like we could talk forever, but in, in the sake of our listeners, right, we want to make sure that we're not driving them crazy. You, you mentioned something to me in our discussion that I want to dig a little bit. And I think you may have answered this question already at least a little bit, but you told me that 70% of all CX initiatives fail. And I'm really yep. interested in how you know this and why does that happen? Okay, so I actually read a Gartner report. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not the source of the information. I'm just the reader. Okay. But, but the interesting thing that it pointed out was the reason 70% of the initiatives fail is exactly as a result of the, these types of things, right? Like I may go in and imagine that, hey, I'm going to put a chatbot and today I'm getting 500,000 transactions coming every, every month. Uh, if chatbot can handle that, 
let's say 50% of them, I don't need 50% of my agents, right? Uh, simple calculations like that. It's a little bit more involved mm-hmm. than that. But, right. you know, um, many a times uh, the most important factor which is not looked at is 70% of context in a cost is people, not technology, right? So people kind of are left out on this journey. Uh, we outsourcing context centers and BPOs are delivering it. There are a lot of people who are not probably trained properly. So when the new product launches happen, when new technologies come in, though you have great CX initiatives, though you have great state-of-the-art technology, if people who are delivering these um, interactions back to customers don't have all of that, you know, it, it, they're not going to deliver a great experience. And then you still come back and say, well, we invested all this money in all these different technologies. Why my net promoter score is still low or why are we not increasing our revenue? And these are some of the fundamental reasons, right? How do we use technology to make people's lives better? Uh, like, as I said, right, or as you gave that example of uh, not serving Spanish language people better, right? That's a very simple way of identifying information and directing your technology to solve those customer experience problems. And if they're not done properly or not used properly after making an investment in technology, that's where uh, those initiatives fail. So it's, is, is your basic argument, the, the technology is great, but it's the people that matter. That's totally. why they fail. Totally. Okay. Or point the technology I, and, towards people and make their lives better. Right. <laughs> and, and I, I, I've seen this many, many times and, uh, you know, we can talk about WFM in- implementations, QM implementations, context center, CCAS platform in- implementations, the, the, it's the person that is that that is ultimately responsible for these things. You can have the best project manager in the world. You can have the best implementation people in the world, and and then you get into the the contact center and you execute. And if and if that person or that group of people just don't have the passion or the ability to recognize what they have in front of them, you're gonna have shelfware, right? Totally. You're, you're just gonna have this this shelfware, and so. I think that maybe the important takeaway from this is that as you look at technology, before you make the 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 lift in purchasing technology or approaching a technological solution, look at your people first. Totally. Find find that person who is just dying to fix things. Find that person who just is able to root out a cause from nowhere. Then make that person kind of the focal point of the implementation and the the amount of success you'll see is insane and we have gone way beyond just talking about uh, you know cx employee <laughs> engagement right but it's 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 a great conversation and so i really do think that we've had a we've had a, a fantastic uh, back and forth here and i think this has been enormously valuable for the people that are listening and hopefully we find this this episode to be really useful for a lot of people so i want to be the first to, uh, i guess the only but in this case thank you so much for for spending some time with us i really do appreciate you know finding uh, the opportunity uh, you're you're on the other side of the world for me and but we were able to connect and this is what's great about the technology that we have is that we're able to do these kind of things so um kunal thanks for joining us really appreciate it i'll let you say any final words maybe uh, maybe just a quick word on, on on where they may be able to find information about data games absolutely and thanks dave um you know i would uh, not just online would love to have you come to melbourne australia and we can grab a beer together uh <laughs> but uh, to find out more you can just go to uh, datagames.com so that's d-a-t-a-g-a-m-z.com um and yeah um get in touch with us we'd love to talk more 
That's wonderful. All right. Thank you, Kunal. Have a great rest of the day. For those of you listening, we do appreciate you giving up some of your time to listen to us. As always, you can go to Calabrio.com for more information. And uh, we hope to see you soon on the next episode. Thank you, Kunal. And goodbye, everybody. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Dave. Goodbye, everyone. 